Brian Noonan on 720 WGN. Oh, my goodness, a beautiful day in Chicago. The White Sox, big winners over the Cleveland Indians. They're off tomorrow heading back to uh, the nation's capital to play the Washington Nationals on Tuesday night. Uh, so the White Sox are winners, which means our spirits are buoyed here at WGN, uh, as well as Sox fans all across America. <laughs> Are there Sox fans all across America? I count, uh, you know, I count uh, Northwest Indiana is all across America, so we'll go with that. Uh, big show, always more fun when you are involved. 312-981-7200, that is the phone number. That is also the text number. How does that work? I don't know, but it just is. And uh, when you call in, you'll be talking to, oh my goodness, look who's back. It's Cody. I can't believe I have to work today. Goff, he's the executive producer from Rockford, Illinois. If you are nice to him, you get to me. That's how it works. Social media, sure, we've got it. Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. So those are all the ways to get a hold of us. We hope you will. Big. Uh, there's always a lot going on on this show. We are going to start after 4.30. We're going to talk about some unwanted advice. It's uh, things that you need to pass on. To It's a list that was passed on to graduating high school kids, and uh, I'd like you to add to it. Advice that you've gotten, because we're in graduation season. I don't know if you know this, Cody. Facebook is jammed with people whose children are graduating. They're graduating from preschool. They're graduating from kindergarten, graduating from middle school, high school, college. They're getting doctorate degrees. Everybody's graduating, and so people are being inundated with advice and we have some uh, some advice that was given i would like your advice that maybe you heard or maybe you've given maybe you wish someone had given you when you were graduating so we'll get to that and then we're going to talk about oh boy the okay sign uh, the OK sign has been in the news a lot lately, especially locally, uh, because two high schools decided to have their yearbooks reprinted because people were making the OK sign We'll kind of walk you through the timeline of when, you know, just flashing somebody the okay sign, meaning it's okay, has taken a turn and how it morphed into maybe something else. But the question is, are we overreacting? So we'll get to uh, we'll get to that as well. And then State Rep. Ann Williams is going to call us at 530. She has been part of the tumultuous session that uh, culminated yesterday and is now... Uh, We've got we've got new laws. New things are being signed by the governor here in Illinois. New things passed in the in the legislature, and we're going to find out all about those. We'll talk about. Ooh, Cody was very excited. The legalization of recreational marijuana in the state. Uh, there's a new budget. There's also a new capital bill. But the talk about how we're actually going to fund that capital bill is still kind of up in the air. So we'll talk about that. Are you a sports better? Oh my goodness, that passed too. There's going to be a lot. This the wages of sin are death, Cody, and yet Illinois is embracing them, and I love it. I am, hold on. Oh, no, you're on on my end. Nope, you're not on on your end. Now I'm on on my There's, end. Now you're on on the your end. The wages of sin are, are death. death. Look at the Bible, Cody. I'm I, Listen, I'm changing the whole scope of this show. Wow. It's going to be all Bible verses and a holy rolling. That's what we're going to do. We're going to roll holy on a Sunday afternoon. No, but I listen, I love sin. I, <laughs> you know, so why not? But, uh, we're, but, hey, maybe to pay for those new roads... Part of the proposal, and we'll talk to uh, Representative Williams about this, they're talking about adding more taxes on uh, cigarettes. We were we talked last week when you weren't here. There's a proposed excise tax on beer, wine, and spirits. So anything you do for fun to relax, you're going to get taxed on. But now at least you'll be able to gamble. So it's all going to work out. Everything is fantastic. So we'll talk to her. And then award-winning cartoonist from the Chicago Tribune, Scott Stantis, is going to be in the studio after 6 o'clock. Scott uh, is part of 
Hamilton the Museum exhibition. If you haven't been out to that yet on Northern Island, it is wonderful. So we'll tell you how Scott is involved uh, with that. We have a bow tie theater review. And uh, maybe, if we're lucky, if you're nice, you need a laugh with a little Florida news. We haven't gone south in a while, Cody. We, and I figure at the beginning of the summer, this is a time to turn our laser focus onto the humid, mosquito-ridden cesspool that is the Panhandle state of Florida. All right. So we got a lot to, a lot to get Big to. show. It is a big show. Uh, we're going to start at any minute. I can't, <laughs> I can't hardly <laughs> wait. I am, I am uh, in a euphoric state. One, because finally the sun is out. It's a beautiful day. No torrential downpours yesterday. For the first time in my memory, I was under a huge hailstorm. It came right over the house. It, I, posted a, uh, I posted some footage on my uh, personal Facebook page because the hail was coming at a crazy rate. So that was, that was exciting and terrifying all at the same time. And then now we're going to do a Bowtie Theater review, and I don't usually do this, but I have a TV review. I have a TV recommendation, something that I think, uh, I think you would enjoy. If you if you like westerns and if you were a fan of the HBO program Deadwood, which aired, well, it aired for three seasons and it went off the air about thirteen years ago. So I know a lot of people are like, well, we don't know. You've probably never heard of Deadwood, have you, Cody? I th- yeah, because I've been working with you almost that long. That's true, and it is an award-winning uh, program. David Milch wrote it. It's uh, the language is Shakespearean. It's unbelievable. Well, they put together. David Milch wrote and uh, HBO created a movie, a two-hour movie to kind of wrap things up. It takes place a decade after the final episode of Deadwood, and I'm not going to spoil it or anything for you, but within the first five minutes, you're like, oh, man, I miss this kind of writing. And it takes it takes a little while to get back into the Shakespearean kind of flowery delivery and uh, wording that these characters utter seamlessly. So the writing is wonderful. Visually, it's spectacular. It wraps up, it wraps everything up nicely because the series was canceled after three seasons pretty abruptly, so they didn't get to tie up all the loose ends. And within again the first couple minutes, all of a sudden these characters that you've you've either held close or you've forgotten how much you enjoyed them, these characters are making appearances on screen, and not just oh we've got to we've got to wedge everybody back in. The progression of who they've become and how they now fit into the story and what's happening is just phenomenal. It's one of those. It's one of those things where I was. Uh, we we made plans. I said, "All right, I'm going to record it on Friday, and then Saturday night after dinner, we're going to we're going to sit down and we're going to watch the Deadwood movie." And uh, it was worth it. I was so I was so happy to sit down and watch this. And when it was over, I was like. I was sad that it was over, and I was like, that's perfect. The, we know now what, what will become or has become of the town, South Dakota in general, and, the, and these characters in particular. And it was, oh my goodness. It sounds very reminiscent of what happened with Firefly. Oh, I don't know that. You never heard of Firefly? I, 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 yeah, I've heard of the I heard of the show, but I never watched it. Yeah, it was a Joss Whedon sci-fi space western kind of show. 
super popular with the people that saw it, mm-hmm. but got abruptly canceled after one season. And so later, Joss Whedon made a movie called Serenity, which, right. which is the name of the ship on the show. So they did the very exact same thing. And so a lot of people were happy that they made Serenity. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, it took 13 years to get the movie, but it was here and it it, uh, it wrapped up very nicely. So if you were a fan of Deadwood and you're like, oh, the movie's not, no, Watch the movie. It's it's streaming now on HBO Go. It, you know you can you can find it. Nice and uh, yeah. So there's my there's my little TV recommendation. Very strange. On the other side, we are going to give a little unwanted advice. I want your advice. What would you say to graduates? And let's talk about graduations in particular because I think it's getting out of hand. We'll get to all of that on the other side of the news, uh, which. I guess we don't have any break. We're going to just go right now, right? Sure. We're going to go to the newsroom. Oh, there's Pam Jones back in the newsroom. We missed you last week. Pam, nice to have you hey, back. Hey, thanks a lot. It is graduation season, as I said. Are you uh, are you getting a little fed up with all the graduations? Have we reached graduation saturation? Because every, it seems, it seems now, used to be, what, eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, college graduation. That was a thing. Then it started kindergarten graduation. Then there was, now there's preschool graduation, followed by kindergarten graduation. Uh, then middle school graduation. Uh, then you go into high school and college and doctor. There's been a lot of discussion in the district where I teach about the fifth grade graduation. Fifth grade graduation and even eighth grade graduation, which they're now calling promotion. Uh, eighth grade is not a promotion because you're not done with school. You're just being promoted to high school. And fifth grade, you're going, you end at elementary and you're going into middle school. And so some schools are doing, some schools do kind of a promotion. Others do, the school I was at, do a, uh, like a night, kind of a, an awards night, a recognition night that just kind of where the kids kind of say goodbye. And it is, it's not, there's not a formal ceremony. There's no diplomas. There's none of that. And it's for it's because they are going to a new a new school, and that's fine. But the uproar in the district that I'm in over eighth grade graduations, and eighth graders not wearing caps and gowns because caps, the defense is that caps are for when you graduate when you graduate, and because in eighth grade you're just moving on to high school, you're just being promoted, so they're wearing gowns, and people are up in arms, and at some point. Uh, Let's stop the craziness. High school is the only time where you really legally don't have to move on. When you graduate from high school, you can be done with your education. You are finished. So that that is a monumental turning point. Going from preschool to kindergarten, while for that child is kind of an important deal, let's be honest, it's a photo op for the parents. When you do when you do kindergarten and preschool graduations, it's for mom and dad to come and grandma and everybody gets a picture and it's cute and there's nothing there's nothing intrinsically wrong with it, but you know do we really need it? No. If so, if you want it, if your school has it and you want it, that's cool. But let's not make a big deal for those those places who don't. So we'll leave the little kids out of it. Because who doesn't like to see a cute little kid going? Oh, I want that with preschool. Everybody loves that. I love that. But I get I get this thing about eighth grade going into high school. Is it an accomplishment? Sure, but are there are there a lot of kids who really don't finish eighth grade? Who's dropping out in sixth grade anymore? This isn't Appalachia in the forties or the thirties or the eighteen hundreds. 
because I know if I if I set a date, we're going to get angry texts from somebody who dropped out, who is living in Appalachia, who dropped out in like 72 for whatever reason, and they're going to be very offended. But again, I don't know uh, how they'd get a hold of us. Why are they calling it promotions? Because you're being promoted from eighth grade to high school. That's not how promotions work. Well, you don't promote hundreds of people at a time. Also, why not? Pro- of course you do. You're promoting. They're being promoted. They're because that's what they call when you go from grade to grade. You're being promoted. You're why? Being, that's no, just that's, how it's. No. That's what it's called. It's it's misnaming. It's not misnaming. That that's how it's always been. You've always been promoted. You've always been promoted a grade. You've been sent up. You've been called up to the bigs. Don't you just you just pass and you go on to the next grade? Well, pass is a, a layman's term. Like, when you go on, it's, it's like you're moving forward, right? If sure. I'm running a two-mile run and I get past the first mile marker, I'm not promoting myself to the second mile marker. No, but I'm... every year, if you don't get the grades, theoretically, technically, if you don't get grades to pass, you are not then promoted to the next grade. So, I think I see where you're going. In the business world, you are promoted on merit. Right. Allegedly. Um which is a myth. Well, of you, are a, of, no, you are not promoted on merit. No, you are not promoted on merit merit at all. But let's let's operate under the umbrella of uh, naivete that the world likes to go in because hard facts are troubling and we don't like them. So let's let's operate under that that your I think your argument is that you're not being promoted due to merit from 8th grade to high school. You are just being sent along. Theoretically, if you did not achieve the grades to get to the next level, you would not be promoted to that level. That's why promotion is the terminology for going from eighth grade to high school. I think that's a false terminology. All right. Here's well, what I here's first what, of all, I didn't come up with it. Well, I'm mad at you. I, I will. I know you are, and that's fine. I will defend it. This is this is the hill I choose to die on, <laughs> because as we learned earlier, the wages of sin are death. I don't know how those two are combined yet. We've somehow combined them. Wow. With By gr- we, I mean me. With great vengeance and furious anger. Oh, that's right. I will defend and destroy my brother. Suddenly I need a uh, suddenly I need a big kahuna burger. That's right, I pulp fictioned you. And I and I caused you to have to be speechless. I think I pulp fictioned you first, actually. You began to pulp fiction me, and then uh then when I threw it out the uh, the big kahuna, it almost seemed like you uh I haven't seen that movie in a minute. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, I don't like the promotion thing, Go but ahead. that notwithstand, I just think that it it sets people up with this false uh, belief that, as we mentioned before, that promotion is merit based, which is not how it works in the real world. Like you can you can lie to yourself and maybe say that it's merit based in some cases, but a lot of the time, let's be honest, it's not. What it's is who it you about know. you and your makeup that makes you want to disillusion twelve year olds at this point? I have seen the light. Brian, I'm a red pillar. What can I say? Wait, am I allowed to say that? I don't, I don't even, know what the connotations are. Yeah, I don't. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think I've heard it used in other contexts, so maybe that's wrong, not the right term. Yeah. Let's check yourself before you, in in fact, wreck yourself. Right, well, in the Matrix, <laughs> uh, uh, I just matrixed you. <laughs> you did matrix me, and that's fine. Because, again, I'm not a matrix guy. That's fine. Did you not have a big eighth grade graduation? I went to private school. Because I'm, you know, a product of private school. And <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> I don't know why, that, that was a thing. So yes, we had an eighth grade graduation. And did we wear caps and gowns? You bet we did. Why? Because why not? Um, 
and then we had you know obviously high school graduation and you know the the but we didn't because because I went from in in Catholic school there's no middle school delineation we didn't have kindergarten graduations when I was a kid I went to kindergarten in the public school and then after I got knifed three times they decided to put me in a Catholic school for first grade sure uh, so there was nothing in the middle it was you started at first grade and you prayed that you got to the end of eighth grade and it was a it was a marathon not a sprint. Now, when you, when you got knifed, were you promoted to the emergency room? Uh, when I got knifed in kindergarten, was I promoted to the emergency room? That is a good question. No, I was actually just put on the net mat and uh, told to just sleep it off. Okay, well, did you graduate to the net mat, or were you promoted to the net mat? No, that there was no graduation or promotion in kindergarten. This was back in the day when you just shut up and went to school. There was no there was no photo op. I don't think my parents ever walked into my kindergarten classroom. I think they knew where the school was only because they had to drop me off. But uh, other than that, it was we didn't, you know, they, they didn't come in for an open house. It was kindergarten. You went to kindergarten. You were snot a six-year-old. And I love, listen, I love kindergarten. I was in kindergarten last week. I got nothing against kindergartners. If you have a kindergartner, don't uh, don't get your uh, your uh, your school clothes in a bunch, okay? But let's be honest, they're five and six-year-olds. They're lunatics. <laughs> they are just they're <laughs> lunatics, which is what they're supposed to be. But they're nuts. The point being. You didn't graduate those kids. You just you just prayed that you got to May and you pushed them out the door to the first grade teachers. So now we're getting some in Naperville District two hundred three. The fifth grade is a clap out, and eighth grade is a, is a move on. That makes more sense. They're moving on. Does that does that satisfy your anger against the promotion label? Yes. A move on. An eighth grade move on. I believe. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, they do, in my district, they do the fifth grade clap out, but that's not part of the night that they, uh, the the recognition night. The clap out is on the last day of school, and the kids, uh, the fifth grader, everybody lines the hallways, and then the fifth graders walk through, and everybody applauds for them. And they clap them out, and then they go out onto the playground, and the parents can be out on the playground, and they clap out too. And then, you know, the fifth graders, some of the some of the fifth graders are sobbing, some of the teachers are teared up. Uh, it's very emotional. I went to my first one last year, and um, and it is a, it is a, a nice thing that that kind of thing I enjoy. Uh, so anyway, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Oh, anytime we're talking about uh, school related topics, Roger uh, rolls in, and Roger has rolled in now. Now. Uh, Roger, are you a fan of these uh, middle school and uh, kindergarten graduations? Uh, not if you're still in the same school, in the same building. Okay. It, in other words, if I'm in third grade, I don't want a third grade graduation. Well, no, you, there, there's, I haven't seen no. any of those. It's usually the fifth grade going to middle school. It depends what building you're in. If you're not coming back to that building until you're 30 years old and and, <laughs> and, and, and seeing how much taller than the lockers you are. Let me tell you this. If that, I have to go back to grade school <laughs> at 30... I have made worse career and uh, life choices than I already think I have. Yes. Uh, but, but I I mean, I went back to my grade school uh, like 10 years ago, took a lot of pictures because I hadn't been back in, in decades, right. and I had a lot of good memories of it. All right. We will we'll talk to you more in a second. Uh, but Larry, Cody said, Larry's, Larry's got a cogent point. Hello, Larry. Hey, good afternoon, Brian. Uh, this just seems like an earlier stage of setting kids up to realize that real life is really a bummer. They're going to get a participation award here in kindergarten and first grade and third grade and fifth grade. And then one of these days, they're going to get out in the real business world and find out they didn't get promoted because somebody else was better. And my God, that participation award did nothing for me. 
See, now you you and Cody are on the same page, Larry. And uh, uh, Cody see, is a very intelligent man. Listen, you may want to sit down. Obviously, you've been out working in the yard and you have some heat stroke, Larry, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Put a cold compress on your head, get some rest, and we'll talk to you again soon. I like Larry. I oh, okay, know bye. You do. bye, Larry. <laughs> I know you like Larry because it's, it's the, that, the same thinking. Again, I have no problem with a high school graduation. Make it a big thing. I do like the idea of changing the eighth grade to something else. This is why the the problem is the uproar that parents have, like in our district I mentioned, because it's not technically the eighth grade graduation because the kids are still going to school next year. So they call it a promotion. So there's no cap. So, and oh. But isn't every year a promotion? In other words, you have completed the second grade. You're being promoted to the next grade. That's what I said to Cody, and he doesn't believe it. The answer is no. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, you've been promoted to the next grade. So now you've been promoted to high school. A promotion is when someone gives you new responsibilities. Well, you do have new responsibilities in the next grade. Are you saying high school is not the same responsibility? Is not a new responsibility to eighth grade? Nah. Yes, you have to switch classes. You uh, there's all sorts of things. Dude, my junior year was easier than my sophomore year of high school. Well, maybe you went to the wrong high and school. And my senior year, and everyone's senior year, I imagine, is easier than their previous three Not years. I mean, mine was emotionally. Oh draining. come on! What what senior <laughs> doesn't get to the last few weeks of the last semester and just stop working? Are you saying senioritis? Kicks Not in? that I'm saying you should. If you're a high schooler and you're listening, then please continue to do your homework. Do but as let's he be real. Says, not as he does. This is right. like people going into work on the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. You know, nobody's doing anything. Everyone just has to be there and show up. This is how the world works, Brian. I've seen the light. All right. I'm a red. (laughs) Don't say it again. You already said it once. I should stop saying that. Yes, you you really should stop saying that. (laughs) We'll take a quick break. We'll let Cody realize, uh, you know, the error of his ways. And we'll talk to you at 312-981-7200. We will also impart some unsolicited advice uh, that was given by one uh, high school principal. And uh, you can add your own. It's all happening next. WGN. We're having some fun. We're talking about graduations. Uh, I got a text from Carol in the 708. Brian, I don't get this whole participation thing because of an 8th grade graduation. Yeah, the the 8th grade graduation is not participation. 8th grade graduation isn't a new thing. I'm 61 and all the schools around my hometown at 8th grade graduations. It's a rite of passage. That's true. I was talking about with 8th grade, now the new terminology, people are changing the terminology, or districts are changing the terminology, and I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't know if it's to cut down on costs, because the kids now just wear the gowns, they don't have to wear the hats. Uh, parents are upset, and I'm wondering if they're, if they're overreacting. If there's still a ceremony, and your child is still given a diploma, and they're wearing a gown, just not a cap, what's the difference? You can call it a graduation. When you go to Costco to order your cake, you can put happy eighth grade graduation on the mm-hmm. cake. It's not a big deal. Uh, and I listen, I don't get paid by Costco, but their cakes are phenomenal. Really? Oh, mm. man. If you're having a big party and you need yeah. a big sheet cake, oh, Oof. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely nice. throw it out with that. And again, I have no, I have no skin in the game. Right. And I don't think they use skin in the cake, <laughs> but I have no skin in the game with Costco. <laughs> uh, somebody from the 219. Uh, my father's eighth grade graduation announcement. Many never went past eighth grade. Then I I can't see the date, but I'm guessing it's a while ago. That people. It's could, possible. Well, I'm right, but I said in this day and age, most people go on to high school. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out Cody. Right. You can fact check this. Uh, you can put it on the uh, the liometer or whatever. I'm gonna go, say 99.5 percent of eighth graders go on to high school. 
I'm going to I'm going to say may not complete high school. But I didn't say that. Did I know. I, I know. said they went all on right. to high school. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, oh, somebody is in. Uh, is this uh, Matt in parts? Parts. Un- I love a mystery caller. Matt Ooh. is in parts unknown. Perhaps the tiny Hello, island of I'm- Tonga. Hello, Matt. No, sir. I'm calling from the real world, uh, where apparently most of society has decided to abandon us. Um, so, I gr- <laughs> just, way, just to clarify, I love Matt, your Tonga, Tonga is in the real world. Just to clarify, but go ahead. No, no, I, I know, I know. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm well aware. But um, I love your show. But Thank you. you know, I graduated in '02 from eighth grade, and there, oh, uh, we did not wear caps and gowns. Uh, we just wore, I I mean, I wore a suit, girls wore dresses, whatever. Mm -hmm. And we all walked up on stage and did a whole hoopla and that was it. Uh, eighth grade graduation, you don't need caps and gowns. I know. You don't. And we, you know what? My school's, my school was a little bit different. We even had a fifth grade graduation because you were going into junior high. Now the fifth grade graduation is literally, we all just stand there. We sing, tis a gift to be simple, tis a gift to be free. And then everybody goes on the merry way. Uh, yes, that's a thing where I went to school. Okay. We sing that every year for like three years. It drove me crazy. Can I ask where you went to school? The point is, uh, Francis Parker. Okay. For undergrad, uh, for undergrad, for uh, until eighth, until the end of eighth grade. That is way Then undergrad. I moved to the for high school. Okay. Yeah, um, but I just everybody's got to relax. If, you know, I'm always going to call the Sears Tower the Sears Tower, even <laughs> if it's not apparently the Sears Tower. And I'm always going to call Comiskey Park Comiskey Park, even though it's on its twelfth name or something. So just call it graduation. Call it a don't. You know, my only thing is, if you call it a promotion, you better. Beep and well be paying me for this promotion because if I'm not getting paid, it's not a promotion. You are being... anyway. I love your show. Thank you. You Matt. are fantastic. Appreciate it. Take care. Uh, you are being you are being paid with the gift of knowledge. Nope. Yep. Yep. Wow, Cody is coming down. All right, let's. Uh, we've been teasing. How about a little unsolicited advice? How about a little unsolicited advice? This comes every year. the uh, The Chicago Academy of the Arts. The principal there is Jason Patera, and he's the head of the school. They don't, I don't know if they don't call it principal because they're uh, artsy, or but but anyway, he's the head of the school. He's the he's the man in charge. The head artsy guy. He's well, he's the man in charge of the Chicago Academy for the Arts. So every year, as he's getting ready for the end of the year, and he he posts things during the year too for the students, mm-hmm. but he puts out a list of uh, that he calls unsolicited advice, and he gives this he presents this list to the students as they graduate, and he says, "Listen, you may not you may not have asked for this." <laughs> but I'm giving it to you anyway. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight a few of these because it makes sense. Now, the first one, obviously, uh, the, there's a bias at the Chicago Academy for the Arts. He said, but I agree with this, that being said. Art is really important. Whether or not you actually end up making it, you have a responsibility to support it with both your time and your money. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Whether you go to a concert, whether you go to a gallery, wh- whatever you do, you need to support the arts. And, and there's a million different kind of arts. That's the beauty. So you can you can support it any way you can. So that it makes sense that that is his number one piece of unsolicited advice. Number two, he says, community is also really important. And it's almost certain that you will never find a community like this one again. That's okay. You shouldn't be looking for communities anymore. You should be building them. Ooh. Yeah. And, and every high school kid is like, whoa. <laughs> Dude, what does that mean? I think you know. Uh, being someone, this will tie in, being someone is always better than seeming like someone. 
Be a great artist. Be a good person. Be happy. Don't just waste time trying to seem like it on Instagram, which is a huge piece of advice. And this came into crystal clarity the other day because I was in fifth grade. Uh, once again, I people found me out, <laughs> realized I didn't know, uh, you know, how to do complex fractions. But anyway, I was in fifth grade. And somehow the word's gotten around school that I'm here, uh, that I have a show, and that I've, uh, you know, that I've been on TV a few times. And um, and a couple of the kids were like, do you really have a radio show? I was like, yeah. Have you really been on TV? I said, yeah. Are you famous? Because that's all, there were like eight or ten kids who were talking, that all, that's all they wanted to be. I just want to be famous. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? I don't know. I just want to be famous. Because I see these people. Are you on Twitter? I go, yeah, I'm actually Twitter verified. And that, Ooh. I know. I say that only because I know Cody laughs because he's the one who got me Twitter verified. I have no idea. <laughs> but I know that blue check mark means something to people. And uh, I've told you, Molly and her friends think it's, I could win the Pulitzer Prize. Yep. Doesn't matter. You're Twitter verified. <laughs> uh, you are so cool. <laughs> so the kids, so now, then, you know, they want to be famous. They don't know how they're going to be famous. Right. And they want to be rich. Exactly. And instantly rich. And so, oh, sure. Instantly. fame and riches come together. Right. So I was on TV. They, you know, I was on TV mm-hmm. in their mind. Oh, my God. I must be a millionaire and I must be uber famous. Right. Uh, and maybe I'm famous in an Uber. You know, <laughs> if somebody in the if if somebody else in the Uber knows who I am. Right. But that, that doesn't really happen. <laughs> so I said no. And one kid said, are you rich? And another kid. Brilliant. Looked and went, would he be here if he was rich? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I wanted to Smart say, kid. I wanted to say, yes, I would, because I'm altruistic. And oh. then they would have had to look that up, because famous people don't say altruistic. Wow. Uh, that's right. Uh, here's another one, piece of unsolicited advice before we go to the news. Instant gratification is not the same as happiness. Much of the modern world, your phone, your jewel, your credit card, is designed to trick you into thinking you're happy. They're really just stealing your time and your money. And then he tells the kids to be sober. The more you believe that alcohol and drugs uh, help you do anything, the more it means you have to work. The more you have work, the more you have work to do when you're sober. What? So <laughs> maybe I need unsolicited advice on how to read. <laughs> Sooner or later, you'll have to operate in reality, and living cleanly will illuminate paths for you that will take you anywhere worth going. Uh, he gives that sobriety tip he said every year. So. That's a little unsolicited advice from the Chicago Academy of the Arts. On the other side of the news, we'll talk about the okay gesture. It's evolution from just simple, hey, things are going well, to, oh, my God, is this a whole racist thing? And are we, in fact, overreacting? So we'll get to that. Uh, WGN Radio wants to send you on a Blackhawk getaway for two in Europe. Oh, my gosh. Listen to Win Your Way to Pucks and Prague weekday mornings at 740 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on Tune In. It is 5 o'clock, and with the news, here's Pam Jones. I know saying that you're not a racist is usually a red flag when somebody says, hey, listen, I'm not a racist, but... so I, I will avoid it. I will hope that you know after listening to me for however long you've been listening to this program, or even if you're just tuning in, I hope you can realize that uh, I am not a racist. But I'm wondering if we are starting to get a little too sensitive to one particular thing. This is not to say that racism does not exist. It is not to say that the rise of uh, racist behavior is not happening in this country. It's not to say uh, that the rise of anti-Semitic behavior is not uh, not on the rise. I'm wondering now if we are if we are so 
intent on seeing evil that were putting it on things that had they been ignored, and I know that's a dangerous way to put things, but had these had something been ignored, it would have just gone away. And what I'm talking about is the okay sign. Now, for those of us of a certain age, we remember when you, if you made a circle with your fingers, your index finger and your thumb, and held up your other three fingers, it just meant, hey, things are going all right. Everything is okay. That's fine. And then I remember kind of in uh, when I was in high school and college, sometimes you could use that as an insult uh, with the circle being a hole and the other three fingers being letters that uh, spelled something out. That was, that was kind of what I remember. And now, due to the co-opting of Internet trolls and then uh, white supremacists, in what began as an attempt to troll... The OK sign has morphed into something that we need to be hypersensitive about if you if you are to believe what's happening uh, around the city with a couple of high schools uh, pulling and reprinting their yearbooks because students made that sign. Now, I am also not uh, putting that in the same realm as the students who put in quotes in the yearbook that were attributed to Nazi propaganda. Obviously, that has to be stopped, but I'm I'm also surprised that some adult who is supposed to be editing this yearbook did not catch that at the beginning, as well as the pictures. But let's, a little bit, a little history on the OK sign, if I may, and this, this uh, straight from the Tribune. So the OK sign is at kind of a, uh, according to them, a complicated juncture, and I believe this, and that's why whether... Consciously or unconsciously, I don't, I don't use the OK sign. If something is good, I'll, I'll just thumbs up you. That may, who knows, and who knows when the thumbs up is not go, is going to be bad. There's still an OK emoji though, because I've texted that to uh, my wife and some other people. I may have even texted it to you, Cody, if I just want to say OK instead of taking the time to uh, laboriously type out those two letters, O and K. I'll just shoot you the yellow OK sign now. If you've received that from me, please uh, take it for what it is supposed to mean, that everything is all right, and I am in agreement with uh, your statement. But, so starting in 2017, members of a discussion board called 4chan, which I have never gone, you, you've been on 4chan, right, Cody? It is pro- probably a portal to hell in the internet, which is already a portal to hell. We could do an entire series on 4chan. We could do this entire three-hour show on 4chan and still barely scratch the surface. That would be fantastic. 4chan is... Book that for next week. So, people use hyperbole a lot when talking about the internet. They'll say Twitter's a cesspool or this place is the worst place on the internet. 4chan is actually, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the worst place on the internet. For the uninitiated, explain what 4chan is. It's... Really so hard it's, to... it's kind of like a comment board, right? So so it's a comment board, but the 4chan culture is really, really hard to boil down in just a couple of minutes. But but essentially, every single person there posts under the handle anonymous. Right. So it's like a message board. When, when you post, you have the option of putting in your name. And, and people do put in their name, but everyone is anonymous. Okay. So it's created this weird anonymity groupthink thing and anonymous you can say whatever you want with no repercussion yeah like just to give you an idea 4chan is the place where like the day a celebrity dies or there's a terrorist attack or something tragic happens in the world mm-hmm. there are memes on 4chan 
making jokes about that thing that day. Right. Like there were there were like nine eleven joke memes like an hour after the towers hit. Unbelievable. And that's gonna that's the website you go to for that is 4chan. It's okay. it's the bottom denominator, lowest common denominator of the internet. So they uh, mounted uh, mounted kind of a, a campaign. And it was a series of attempts to troll uh, liberals with a right-wing hoax, claiming that the OK sign was a symbol of white supremacy. That according to Mark Pitcavage, a senior research fellow at the Anti-Defamation League. So a guy with, uh, you know, guy you could believe, probably not fake news. Uh, so it started off as a hoax on 4chan. They're, all of a sudden they're going to say, hey, let's get the liberals because, you know, we disagree with them and we're, we're tired of calling them names. So now we're going to see if the liberal media and liberals themselves will pick this up and start saying that the OK sign is a sign for white supremacy. Well, the idea was that the libs would take up that cry of being racist. So some news outlets took the bait. Because as we know, in this uh, world of 24-hour news cycles, you got to have something to fill the time. And fact-checking, well, if that comes, that's great. And if it doesn't, well, that's okay, too. We'll retract it. Now, of course, you know, your, your major news organizations are going to be a little more diligent, hopefully, in fact-checking than not. And I know Cody looks at me and shakes his head like I am the most naive human being on the planet. I still have a little a little faith. All right, so so soon more right wing trolls got in on this, uh, and saying it was anti liberal but not necessarily white supremacist. Then some actual white supremacists got involved and they took up the OK sign, but at that point it was still largely to mock liberals. All right, then finally some white supremacists started to use the sign without any irony. Most famously and most tragically, the New Zealand mosque shooter. He was throwing up the OK sign. So that's when it's, that's, that was the, the pinnacle of it being labeled and attached to legitimate white supremacy. So now we're at this point where what do we do? Do we, uh, do we avoid the OK sign at all times because... You don't want to, one, you don't want to support those kind of causes. Two, you don't want to be mistaken for supporting those kind of causes. And three, it's just easier. There's a million other ways to communicate rather than making that sign. So now, according to the Anti-Defamation League and according to research, the vast majority of people in America are using the OK sign the way it was originally purposed. Just say, OK, everything is OK. Uh, then... Then you bring in the circle game, which I'm too old for. Did you have the circle game when you were in high school? Uh, I don't think so. So the circle game technically is, and it was on Malcolm in the Middle. It's been around for a while. So I make the okay sign, but I have it down, like, hanging down below my pa- below my belt. So it's just if my arm is extended and the okay sign is down there and I'm talking to you and, I get, and somehow I get you to look at my okay sign, then I get to punch you. That's, that's the circle game. It's stupid. That's why it was played by high schoolers and children, because it was stupid. Well, that's become now the, the go-to defense of the OK sign, is that it's kids who are playing the circle game. Now, we all know that teenagers are dumb. And that's because their brains are not fully formed. They're still young and they make bad decisions. 
Adults make bad decisions. But teenagers, on the whole, that's one of the things they're known for. Body odor, puberty, making bad decisions. And a lot of them do great things. So if you're a teenager now, don't at me. Um, but they're saying that. So so they're, I'm sure there was a percentage of teenagers who throw this sign up just to get a rise out of people. They don't really, they don't really believe in white supremacy. But they think it's funny to make this to make this sign. All that being said, then, are these high schools that all of a sudden, after yearbooks are published, find pictures where there's a couple kids making the OK sign and they're pulling them and costing the districts, um, in one case, $50,000, in another case, $22,000, in an already strapped academic society, are we overreacting? Do we let that go? Or are these schools right to say, listen, we don't want to take any chances, and that seems to be the line in the sand. They're saying, listen, uh, as a faculty advisor, my name is on this yearbook. Down the line, I don't want my name to be associated with something if it comes out that, you know, John or Jane Smith, who in high school in the civics club picture made the okay sign, then down the road, God forbid, does something horrible and they trace it back and go, there should have been, somebody should have known since high school. Because look at Jane Smith. She was throwing the okay sign back in uh, her junior year. So to them, the money is well worth the safety. I understand that point of view. I don't agree with it. I think at some point we have to say, all right, listen, if a picture gets through, it gets through. And we don't condone it, but we we don't have the money to do $50,000 in reprints. Also, it is incumbent upon the faculty advisor to have more than one person. And these, these faculty advisors are working extra time volunteer, you know, at these schools doing this. It's a taxing job. I get it. Then find somebody to help them. Go through, yes, it's more tedious to take a magnifying glass and go through every picture before it goes to print. But that's what proofreading and editing is about. The tedious, meticulous attention to detail that needs to be there so that these pictures or these quotes never get printed in the first place. It just... It's crazy to me that we're going to spend all this money and blow things up. Now, I read something else um, where they were talking to some faculty people, and they were like, listen, it's irresponsible at this point in society to think that anybody who throws that up is not doing it with the expressed intention of supporting white supremacy and racism. And I will go back to my... My stance that, you know what, in high school, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you 100%. I think some of these kids, one, they, even if they think that's what they believe, they probably don't know enough about it to really believe it. They're not educated enough. They haven't lived enough to know. They might say, yeah, I, you know, you, you agree with a lot of stuff when you're 16 and 17, that by the time you get to 20, you've reevaluated if you're an adult and you're in, listen, I don't care what signal somebody in the Klan throws up. They could wave to me high, and I'm going to say that's racist because they're wearing a hood. 
So we know we know there's a delineation, but we can't we can't make a blanket statement that everybody who throws up that's who puts up an okay signal is supporting white supremacy. Yeah, I mean, was there any kind of investigation into the students who were throwing it up? Yeah, they're saying the the um they're saying that it was it was they were playing the circle game. The uh principal at Walter Payton Academy said it, this had nothing to do with racism. Uh so the the schools are saying it it's not as serious. But in order to in order to avoid any uproar or potential problems down the road, they've still decided to pull those yearbooks off and and reprint them. But I think the lesson that they're teaching is toxic to our culture. The lesson they're teaching is that context doesn't matter. Right. And in this world of social media, that seems to be more and more the case. But context, and I think more than context, intent matters. Like if I'm a World intent War, intent should matter. If I'm a World War II reenactor and I've got a Nazi armband on and I've got swastikas all over my outfit and I walk into a World War II, uh, you know, reenactment battle or whatever, that doesn't mean I'm a Nazi. That doesn't mean I'm a, you know, that I'm a hateful person. Correct. It means I'm a reenactor doing a thing. Well, you could take that to the Civil War too. If Civil you're a War reenactor. Civil War reenactor, and you're one of the Confederates. Do you really right. do you do you think, think these people in 2019 still wish slavery was there? Right, exactly. And it's like, you know, you said these kids, it's like, first of all, a lot of them are probably too dumb to even comprehend what's happening, but most of them are probably just doing it for the shock value and because exactly. they think it's stupid and funny. Because teens always do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I think, yeah, it's one thing if you want to pull the pictures, if there's a student at this high school who really hates everyone that's not white and really believes in this stuff. But I don't think that's probably more often than not. I don't think that's the intent in this particular case. And the lesson that these educators and administrators are teaching is, hey, it doesn't matter what you meant to do or why you did something. All that matters is how that message is received. And I don't I don't believe in that personally. I think that's that's really hazardous to our society. I think all that does is let people take things out of context and bend messages to their own will and and create these shelters for people where they're never exposed to anything that's even remotely offensive. And I disagree with that. 312-981-7200. We will take a quick break. A lot of texts coming in. We'll get to those. And your thoughts, is it, are we overblowing the okay sign? And is it, is it, responsible of the schools to pull these yearbooks or not we'll get to your calls your thoughts after this 720 wgn getting a lot of uh, a lot of response on the text line to this uh question of are schools overreacting is the okay sign being overblown uh, a lot of people claiming we are uh, we are taking our position cody because we are white uh i don't you know what i am white i there's nothing i could do about it this is how I was born. I'm white, but I'm also, you know, I'm also sensitive to issues. I'm somebody. Somebody texted in. It's about. It's not about the people throwing the sign. It's about the targets of racism. I understand that. And while I, while I am not a target of racism, I can understand to a point what it must be like. I have not had to deal. I have not had to deal with that. But my point remains that on a high school level, I think a lot of this is for shock value. It is not legitimate. It is not. I'm guessing that those kids in those pictures, and I may, listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm guessing those kids that are throwing them up are either doing them for another reason or, if confronted, would not would not share the beliefs 
that they are being told. Now, to quote the principal of Walter Payton um, College Prep, Tim Devine, he sent a letter Wednesday to students, faculty, and parents that he did not believe the students pictured playing the circle game in six yearbook photos intended to convey a racist message. Quote, let me be clear. It is fully believed that the intent of the students in the photographs was to be playful as the circle game was actively being played around many campuses this academic year, including ours. End quote. So that is the principal of one of the high schools saying, Okay, listen, it's not it's not what everybody's making it out to. My reason for bringing this up is not to diminish racism. My reason for bringing this up is is to say, and if you haven't followed it to this point, I don't know what to tell you. We need to be cognizant of real signals of trouble, real signals of racism. We don't need to take something that was a, meant as a prank and an insult to liberals and turn it into something horrendous we need to investigate the high schools need to investigate and they need to move on and that's it uh We're let's see some angry texts there a lot of angry texts a lot from a lot from two of the same a uh, couple of the same numbers i like what you brought up though about about the real issues right and th- th- so this whole thing stemmed from some internet trolls and in a very toxic mm-hmm. community on the internet. Right. All right. So then, and then it was picked up by some uh, less than reputable news sources and spread as gospel. And then it has moved on to it has moved on to other places. And am I saying that there are no people who now have adopted it and that is their true belief? No, of course not. But I think, in the majority of these cases, and the high schools are investigating them. That is not what's going on. And we can we can choose to always believe the worst or we can choose to actually do some investigating and then believe when people in the authority in those schools tell us that's not what it was. We can choose to believe them. You know, but I'm I go. No, my thing is, uh, so a bunch of trolls on the Internet, people that just wanted to cause a ruckus. They make this common sign suddenly mean something else, right? So then it gets printed in a yearbook by accident. So then we pay $50,000 in one case to reprint these yearbooks. Who wins? Who wins? Is it the internet trolls that just cost our education system Mm $50,000? Or is it the people that now are less likely to be like offended or upset over a signal that isn't definitively associated with any of this, but kind of can be made the case that it is based on what a few people on the internet decided. Like, if I go on the internet anonymously and just decide that, like, high fives or a thumbs up mean something, like, that's a Nazi symbol, then, like, are we going to ban high fives from television and thumbs up, like, just suddenly? Like, who gets to be in charge of what we are and aren't allowed to say? We're just going to let a small group of people say, like, oh, yeah, well, this common signal that people have been using for literally at least my entire life, Mm -hmm. probably years, more than 50 years, 100 years, so this handful of anonymous trolls on the Internet can just... They could be Russians, for all you know, you know? They could be anywhere, anyone... And they just get to decide, and it's just going to cost us all this money. Like, I, like, I, like, we both think racism is abhorrent. Yes, we are not. And we, and we shouldn't even. We, like, we shouldn't even have to go say that. Saying. But, but in this climate, we have, we care. We have to clarify it, and yet when we clarify it, it doesn't matter because 
you know, oh, you're you're clarifying it a little too much. Right. And you took a stance that was different than mine. So you must automatically then be a proponent of what you've taken the stance for. Yeah. We're allowed to be on the same side, but think that there are different tactics to achieve our goals. Right. And we also have to remember that kids can be obnoxious. And just like other forms of rebellion, now they know they're going to get a rise out of people. And so they're doing it for that reason. They are not doing it for racial purposes. They know that it's they know that that's what it's going to be perceived as. They don't really believe it. We have to watch out for we have to watch for the real red flags. We have to watch for the real incidents when things are really happening. And we have to do we have to be sensitive to people who say we're offended by that? Yes. But we go back to the old everything that offends you cannot be taken away. Now that does not include me calling someone a, uh, a racial slur. Yes, we we because I don't I don't know how many people aren't offended by that, but that shouldn't be. It's a big topic. Uh, a lot of people very upset on uh, on the text line, but we're going to move on. We're going to do the news, and after the news, we're going to talk to State Rep Ann Williams. Oh, I'm sure I, I'm sure every state legislature legislator has people who are very very upset with them as well. But we'll talk to uh, Representative Ann Williams on the other side of the news. Find out what happened in this big final week of session in Springfield. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is our number. Right now at five thirty, it is time for the news. Here's Pam Jones. If you've been following the news, and I sure hope you have, you know that the Illinois legislature went into, since we're the White Sox uh, channel, they went into extra innings this weekend to try to get things done before session ended, uh, trying to uh, push through or stop some of the uh, ambitious things that were on Governor Pritzker's agenda. Uh, Joining me now, just back from Springfield, is State Rep from the 11th District, Ann Williams, who is uh, in her eighth term as State Rep, and uh, full disclosure, I've known Ann for a long time, so if I call you Ann, it is not a sign of of, uh, disrespect, uh, Representative. Nice no to have problem. You. <laughs> and just to correct you, I'm in my fifth term, eight years. Oh, fifth so, term, eight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, uh, listen, I read that right off your website. Oh, okay. Yes, you're well, se- according to your website, I'd take it. According to your website, you're currently serving your eighth term as state rep. Oh, well, I better get that correct. <laughs> if only. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, you were down there what uh, for what proved to be, toward the end, a very uh, crazy week in Springfield. What what were some of the what were some of the big issues that led to you guys having to uh, work overtime? Well, it was really a historic session the whole since January. We started off by passing a minimum wage increase, which had been you know bantered around for some time under the leadership of Governor Pritzker, and then some other big items that passed in the past few weeks or so included legalization of recreational cannabis yes that as is, i'm sure you heard <laughs> that is the one between that and we'll get to, uh, we'll talk about the gambling uh the gambling legislation as well the recreational cannabis legislation has gotten has garnered up to this point more attention than anything else and uh, for I a lot so. of for a lot of different reasons now i i know you voted for that legislation. As I looked at the map showing uh, showing who voted for for and against this bill, it seemed like outside of the urban areas, Chicago, the Quad Cities, East St. Louis, there was a lot of opposition to this uh, legislation. Would I be correct in that? I think you're right. And in fact, on a lot of issues, including reproductive rights, Uh, gun issues, they are less about party and more about 
geography, really, in Illinois. So your downstate membership, the downstate, both Democrats and Republicans, South I-80 and up to the, you know, north, not in Chicagoland, tend to be much more conservative, regardless of what party they're a member of. So as, as we look at this, there was a lot of discussion about about the legislation itself, and a lot of it centered around the expungement portion of the proposed legislation. How did that shake out, and where does, where does the expungement part of this stand now as it goes to the governor's desk? Sure. Well, the expungement was an important piece of the legalization conversation, really from day one. And many of my colleagues felt, and, and I agree, that the communities that had been adversely impacted by the war on drugs, devastated really by disproportionate numbers uh, going to prison for possession of small amounts of cannabis, those communities needed to have some redress in whatever legislation we passed. So there is a component of the bill that provides if you are convicted of possession of a small amount of cannabis, you will be expunged. That conviction will be expunged. And it is going through the clemency process, so you don't have to affirmatively go to court yourself. You're automatically going to be expunged. If you possess, if you're convicted of possessing a higher amount, I think it might be 20 grams or more, maybe up to 500 grams. I, I don't know if I, I don't have my notes in front of me. That would require an affirmative um, action on your part through the state's attorney's office. So it's kind of a two-tiered process for clearing those convictions. And the expungement, because I know that, as you mentioned, that was a big, that was one of the big components. And what it means basically is for these people who were convicted with a very small amount of cannabis, suddenly their their employment opportunities and educational opportunities reopen. Absolutely. And you may remember we decriminalized the possession of small amounts of marijuana a few years ago. But this is different. We're legalizing the recreational use. Didn't make sense to keep people who had utilized small amounts and, and been caught. Didn't make sense to keep them um burdened with that record. So that was something uh, we were all comfortable with, and that's something that I think was an important part of passing the legislation. And I know the governor was uh, one of one of the platforms that he was using on this legislation was how much money it is expected, the taxing of this is expected to bring into the state. Do you, do you remember that number offhand, what, what the governor is saying? Listen, we legalize recreational cannabis. The state stands to make this amount. I don't recall specifically, but it is hundreds of millions of dollars. It just depends on how it goes. It's a new market. We've had medical cannabis, but that's not a money-making opportunity. That's really more patient-focused. So I think there's a range that we're looking at. And I will note that the proceeds, part of them will go to the general revenue fund. But there's a significant amount of investment. I think the fund is called Renew um, re-energize or re-something, and that fund will go into the communities I was referencing to provide investment there. Uh, There's also a small amount for law enforcement and some for mental health substance abuse. So we tried to explore all the potential impacts of legalizing recreational cannabis and decide where we can best spend those proceeds. So I think it remains to be seen how well it does. Um, uh, of course, you know, Illinois, we will find a way to tax what we can. Of course. <laughs> um, well, we're going to get know, to some to, of that. To, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, so that was a, a really big thing and a priority for the governor this year. All right. Well, uh, one of the big news stories from across the country, and it, it made news earlier this week in Illinois, you mentioned the Reproductive Rights Bill. Uh, Illinois passing a, a huge a huge bill. Explain, explain what is in this legislation and what changes 
will come once this bill is signed into law? Sure. This was one of my huge priorities, and I spent a lot of time on this uh, for the last couple months. Of course, you've referenced what's happened in numerous states. Uh, April and May of this year saw an unprecedented effort for, um, you know, for states to ban even and sometimes extremely restrict the access to safe and legal abortion. Many, many states went this route. So this would include Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, even Missouri. Mm -hmm. In fact, Missouri, its last abortion clinic uh, was slated to close. A court stayed the closing, but it's pretty rough right next door, Ohio. But what we did in Illinois is we established an affirmative, fundamental foundation that provides women have a right to access safe and legal abortion, to have access to birth control, and to have access to maternal care. So historically, the right to abortion, not just in Illinois, but throughout the country, has been kind of a patchwork or piecemeal of court cases, occasional statutes, sometimes statutes being enjoined that are on the books, et cetera. So it was really kind of a piecemeal approach. We've gone a different route, and this is something that we're hoping other states will follow, to just really establish a basic right. It doesn't really change how abortion works in Illinois, who's accessing abortion, how the procedures work. Nothing is really expanded per se, except how we look at abortion and that we look at it as a foundational right for women in Illinois. And that really sends a strong message to women. We value you, we value your health care choices, and we value your lives. Other than, I'm guessing, guns, is there a more divisive issue that you as a legislator have to face than reproductive rights? Because it would seem to me just, it's one of those things we never talk about here because it's, you're not going to convince either side. As, as somebody who represents a contingency uh, in Chicago, but also is working with the state, is that one of the toughest uh, pieces of legislation you have to pass? I will say yes. People have very strongly held and deep-seated beliefs about the issue. Of course, on my side, I say, okay, you can be against abortion. Don't have one. <laughs> let, let others make their own choices. But the debate was a bit different than some of the other contentious issues like guns or sometimes LGBTQ issues. The debate was quite, I would say, respectful. It was a bit somber and serious. Everybody, I think, understood the gravity of the conversation and really the importance to those involved. For those uh, not on my side, um, they take this issue very seriously. It's a part of their core beliefs. For me, it's very deep-seated as well. And I think we did the right thing in Illinois to reflect the priorities of the communities we represent. And I think we really sent a message loud and clear across the country that Illinois will be a place where women are respected, their health care choices are valued. State Rep. Ann Williams is my guest. We're talking about the, the final furious week in Springfield as session has uh, come to an end now. Uh, let's get into this Capitol bill because it, it makes sense. We need infrastructure work. Anybody who's driven on any road, uh, not only in Chicago, but around the state, knows that we need infrastructure. The bridges over uh, along Lakeshore Drive are falling apart. Bridges downstate, roads downstate are falling apart. So we needed this, this infrastructure plan. There's still talk about where that money is going to come from. Where, where do we stand? I know the Senate was set to d- debate on 
some new taxes. What are the taxes that are proposed to fund this capital bill, and where do you where do you think it will go? Sure. Here's how it works. The capital bill, first of all, is decades in the making. We have neglected our infrastructure needs, both with roads and bridges, as well as construction of schools, hospitals, university buildings, etc. So this is a long time coming. So in terms of the capital we call horizontal capital, which means basically roads and bridges, roads and bridge projects, that is funded two ways. About a third of the funding comes from a bond, bonds that we will issue as a state, and two-thirds come from a 19-cent increase in the gas tax. So obviously that's not something that I was excited to vote for, <laughs> but it was really – there's really no other option. It had not been raised in – decades. I checked my sources before I called you. Someone said it had been 25 years. Someone else said 40. So let's split the difference, 30-ish years. But regardless, it had been decades before, uh, since the um, gas tax had been raised. So that was definitely overdue. And we've now um, set in motion an opportunity to make significant improvements to our infrastructure. So when... People hear a 19 cent increase in the state gas tax. Is that they're going to see that immediately at the pump? We're going to see because I know, listen, I like you, I'm tired of seeing my gas prices go up and up when a lot of it is a lot of it is state taxes and local taxes. But that's mm-hmm. so there's I, I know what what other what other taxes were proposed, if you can recall, and then pushed sure. aside for the for the gas tax to be the one that was settled on. Well, the gas tax goes to the horizontal projects, the roads and bridges. So when you turn to the other sort of capital projects we're talking about, those are called vertical. So those are buildings, building improvements, water water infrastructure needs, uh, things like that, buildings, schools, et cetera. Those are funded by a different set of taxes. So here's what ended up in the final version. There's a tax on managed care organizations that we really won't see. Uh, That's been done in many other states, and we're a little bit behind the eight ball there. So that's one more invisible type of tax. There is a tax on parking garages. And as someone that lives in Chicago, I was not thrilled about this and pushed back a bit. But at the end of the day, we are raising parking a lot charges, which that's a tough one for people that live in the city. Um, There is a dollar cigarette tax also in that same section. That applies to the vertical capital needs. But I will tell you this. Here's what we did not raise that was proposed. There was a tax on beer. I was just going to ask you that because I had (laughs) someone on last week and we were talking about that proposed excise tax on beer, wine, and spirits. And, uh, you know, the the craft beer industry I know was uh, dead set against it because they're providing all these jobs. So what was the outcome of that? That was... That was struck that down. did not make it in the final package. So beer, wine, and spirits remain the same, thing, This is thankfully. great. <laughs> so we, get our, we can still Good drink news. at the same price, but gas will be so expensive we won't be tempted to drink and drive. So it, I think <laughs> it's a nice, it all works out. Very, very nice job. I like it. <laughs> Another uh, tax that I think Chicago uh, residents will appreciate that was not included, there was a proposed tax for um, on rideshare, Lyft and Uber. That did not make the final cut in no small part um, based on the lobbying of myself and other colleagues. Um, so that didn't make it either. So that was there were some positives there, too. I mean, everything was on the table in the beginning, and you really narrow it down to what most people can tolerate. Again, the bills 
this, the budget, the capital bill, these were all passed in the past 48 hours on a bipartisan, bicameral basis. That has not happened in recent memory in Illinois. So we had to compromise. We had to work together with the Republicans, with downstate, with uh, the urban communities to really find something that has what we all want, a little bit a little bit of what we all want, but some stuff that we don't love. But that's what compromises. Well and that's what if you listen to your constituents and, and everybody we say, Well, we want our we want our representatives to work together. We've got to stop putting party first and we have to look at the good of the people. And sometimes unfortunately the good of the people comes with a price tag that a lot of us are not happy with, but at least this way we know that uh, like you said, if if both sides are working to come to the same agreement well then we compromised and that's that's the best we can ask for i think it was pretty fair and i know that some of my colleagues on the republican side of the aisle pushed for some more pro-business and small business reforms those were included in the package um so i really think some everybody got a little bit of what they wanted and of course the big item that will come out that you will get to decide brian and all the listeners is whether illinois should switch to a uh, graduated income tax structure rather than a flat tax. So that will appear on your ballot in November of 2020. So the next uh, conversation about taxation, it's all about the voters. Very nice. Well, we will uh, we'll look at that. Are we going to have a balanced budget? It looked like, it looked like uh, things were going in a favorable direction. Well, I let's I checked, the Senate was moving along through all those bills, again, bicameral, bipartisan, and balanced. Not perfect, of course, nothing is when 100 and however many people have to agree on it. But I think, especially compared to the last several years of dysfunction, we had a really, really positive session and saw some of my colleagues last night from uh, the other side of the aisle, and they seemed pretty happy, too. So I feel that we moved Illinois forward in a lot of ways. We have a lot of work still to do, certainly, but we set a a good uh, kind of foundation and a good, really, practice for working together to make the changes we need to. One last thing before I let you go, and I appreciate your time this afternoon. I know you you got a busy week. Uh, Big news today was the the gaming bill, was the fact that there had been an approval for a casino in Chicago and some smaller ones around the state. And what was getting a lot of, uh, lot of press was the sports betting. So now that this is going to the governor, what can citizens expect? Well, you're right. The gambling package was quite expansive. There have been other proposals almost every year, but nothing really quite made it. So this contains kind of something for every um, every component of gambling. So there is a riverboat, I mean, a casino expansion, Chicago being at the heart of it, five other smaller ones throughout the state. We also expanded, for those that have uh, licenses for video gaming, we expanded um we taxed them more, but in exchange, we expanded their ability to have machines. So instead of five machines per site, they can have six. And we gave a bigger purse and bigger, um, you know, payout. So in exchange for the higher tax. So that's component number two. And finally, that you mentioned, the sports betting. We uh, Certainly, people do plenty of sports betting unofficially. I actually just popped over to the Route 66 Speedway today, and in the stands noticed some unofficial betting going on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I uh, did see a couple, a couple of that, uh, a couple of people working on that today. But that will now, whether you're at the Speedway or whether you're at uh, the Black, watching Blackhawks, whatever sports team you're into, Cubs, 
White Sox, of course, you can bet in real time if you have uh, cleared it and gotten, I don't know if it's a license or a, you know, application uh, completed. So you will be able to uh, game online and make place sports bets online. Um, that will be available, I think the effective date, maybe January 1st. Can't confirm that. But so we will, you know, we'll, sports betting is now legal in Illinois. It's a big change from current practice uh, in terms of the state's role. Maybe not such a big change from how people you know, really live. Live. All right, I lied. There's <laughs> one more question because I'm looking at the text line, and you got uh, it. And people are saying, "Listen, uh, we're not we're not happy about taxes going up." And you and I I know you hear that all the time. I'm not happy that taxes are going up. They're saying uh, I'm seeing a number of texts. Where are the cuts? Instead of instead of always putting the onus on the citizens by raising taxes, what what did you and the legislature do? to maybe cut out some of this this excess spending. So maybe we're not getting hit as much at the pump. Sure. Well, we have, uh, well, the, the gas tax is the, really the biggest tax that we're imposing. And that's not, there's not a budget that we're cutting there. That That's about improving the infrastructure. But in terms of the actual budget, we have made cut after cut in prior years. I have spent most of my legislative career finding places to cut. One area which I'm hopeful we will not have to pay anymore are huge interest payments that we've been paying on our unpaid debt. When we uh, entered the Rauner administration, we had paid down our debt to maybe a three, four billion dollar level unpaid bills. Sounds like a lot, but in a budget the size of the state, that's kind of your not too far from your operating revolving amount of debt. By the four years later, by the end of the round administration, we were up to 12, 13 billion. So we have a lot of work to do to pay down that debt. We have um, made commitments to add money to our pension debt uh, payoff. We've paid our full pension payment this year, no more pension holidays. Um, cuts where we can find them. There's honestly not a lot of opportunities to cut state government. We're one of the leanest in the country, believe it or not. We've, um, you know, sometimes the cuts are penny wise and pound foolish. You might cut, for example, um, the Medicaid program while people end up in the emergency room, you're paying more there. Um, You cut mental health funding, you end up with people with crisis down the road that we end up covering. So sometimes you need to invest on the front end to save money in the long term. And we've done a lot of smart and analysis and vetting of programs to make sure they're as efficient as possible and they do save us money, even if it's not immediate, but in the long term. Well, Representative Ann Williams, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. I know we will talk again. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Nobody's nobody's ever 100% happy, but that's unfortunately the way things go. Thanks a lot, Ann. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Brian. Take care. Bye-bye. That's uh, State Rep. Ann Williams from the 11th District. We'll do this, then it's news time, WGN. Scott Stantis <laughs> is the editorial cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. He's been with the Tribune, oh, forever. He's been with the Tribune since, what, 2009? Yeah, well, coming up on 10 years. That's very good. And your your stuff is seen all over the country. You've got the Prickly City comic. You've done other comics. Uh, but you are now involved in something that is uniquely Chicago, not that your cartoons are not. But Hamilton, the museum exhibition, is on Northerly Island. Tickets are on sale for uh, through September 8th. And Scott got involved in that. Welcome. We've spoken on the phone. It's nice to finally have you yeah, here Yeah, it's person. nice to finally have a, a face to the uh, name. Yeah. The, 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 uh, your, your name's always been with your face, but your face is with the name. 
Yeah. It hangs together. Yeah, it all works out. I all think right. people get it. You finally get to see, you know, you see the, the man behind the voice. There it is. I don't, I don't you have a great voice. Oh, I love your voice. Wow, it's very friendly. Is no, it right? is. It really is. You turn it on WGN on the week and you hear your show and you go, I like this guy. <laughs> Some people do. Some people have the complete opposite reaction. I guess that means we're doing something right. Sure. So that is good. Uh, let's let's talk about your your political is is political cartoon or is it editorial sure. cartoon? Either what or. Is the, either the or. Nomenclature. Either way. Either or. Yeah, I've always fine. said political cartoonist and political cartoons because they are they are mostly focused on politics, right? They are sure, of course, but there are also social issues that we touch right. talk on, touch on as well. Is there ever a, a are you so happy to be in this market because there is never a shortage of material? <laughs> Not only, I mean, nationally, that's one thing. But locally, you could do local cartoons forever. Was it three of the last uh, six governors have gone to jail? We just passed 30. Woo! Aldermen who've gone to jail. Yeah, this is awesome. I liked your big tuna one with Burke the other day. <laughs> you like the you big know. tuna. He landed the big tuna. I just love that phrase. <laughs> so where, I mean, obviously, obviously, the news gives you the ideas, but where do you... What is it in in the in your mind that is able to take a dry news story that we'll read in the Tribune or we'll hear on the on the news, and then you you see it a different way? You see it in a way that most of us would never see it and are able to make it into an amusing cartoon. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, it's just a matter of looking at something through and using metaphor almost constantly in my conversation and in my life. So, and also asking yourself very basic questions when an issue comes forward. Uh, let's say the election of Lori Lightfoot. Is this mm -hmm. good or bad? It's good. Right. Is, is her smackdown of Alderman Burke good or bad? It was good. And it was great timing <laughs> the day before the indictment comes down. I know. I know. Well, and she actually, you know what? She actually alluded to that uh, during her editorial board, her first editorial board meeting with yeah. us um, a few months ago at the Tribune. Uh, so she's not surprised that these, these came down. And then, I, the suspicion is that there will be more. Yeah. Was anybody really surprised? No. Except Ed Burke? Well, you know what's funny is you look at election night and you look at all these people who got knocked off from Tony Prickwinkle on down the ballot who got knocked off and the only person who didn't lose because of the Ed Burke taint was Ed Burke. Yeah, there's something, right? <laughs> you have to, in one way, you have to admire that, right? Yeah, wow, he's doing something that his constituents either are oh. afraid to turn against or they like. Brian, we had uh, dinner with some friends, new friends, who just moved into Mike Madigan's district. Okay. And the, the services they talked about are ridiculous. The, <laughs> not just the street, the sidewalks, and the alleys are shoveled during, the, during, uh, during winter. And they had just moved into their house on the Saturday after they moved in, they hear a... And they open the door and there's someone from Madigan's office saying, hey, you know, we see you're doing that neighborhood. Do you need anything? And they said, well, do you, can you give us a recommendation? We want, we were going to get rid of this tree. And they said, yeah. well, we'll get back to you on that. The next morning, the next morning, they hear, Mah! they'd sent out a crew to take this tree out. That's, that's why these guys get elected and yeah. why 20,000 people out of the millions in Illinois continue to give us Mike Madigan and 20,000 continue to give us. Uh, Ed Burke. It's it's amazing, and the fact that you know this has gone on for so long, it's it's the rule now. It's not the exception. This yeah. is how it's supposed to be, or we think that's how it's supposed to be. That's why some people were surprised when all the Burke stuff came down. It's like, well, did it did it surprise you that an alderman was allegedly shaking somebody down to do business in his in his? No, it didn't no. surprise me. Did it? Say, you know. Like but, I said earlier, 30 aldermen have gone to jail already. You know, Cochrane was the latest from the 20th Ward, and uh, I suspect we'll have 31. Yeah. 
<laughs> so your pens will always be at the ready. Yes. So then you now you had done comic strips before. Yes. And so now you've got Prickly City, which is in uh, I forget how many hundred. About one hundred twenty papers. papers yeah, that's not too bad. No, it's not. In this day and age, uh, to be to have people actually picking up a <laughs> newspaper and there. reading. No, that, that people are reading. It's great. So how do for those who aren't familiar with Prickly City, how does it differ in tone from the editorial stuff that you do for the trip? It's character driven, which was it's much more of a struggle for me as a writer okay. to write for that. But it, and so there's also a longer story arc. It's not like an editorial cartoon, which is you know one and done. It's, yeah. it actually can take a story and drag it out for a week, maybe even two. Uh, and so that that's there. Therein lies the difference. So now you are. And we'll get back to some of your some of your ancillary duties, but let's talk about the reason you're here because yes. uh, I got to, I was fortunate enough to see the Hamilton Hamilton now it's called Hamilton the Museum exhibition because we have to you know let yes. people know that you're actually walking through and you might you might learn something <gasps> I know gasp but but we have to tell because if they learned something and didn't know that they might learn something they might be upset. So this way, you, you give them a heads up. Hey, you're going to have fun. It's an unbelievable exhibition. You walk through these galleries, and you're, you're immersed in Alexander Hamilton's life. Uh, you might pick up a piece of knowledge along the way. Don't don't get scared when that happens. Yeah, just deep breath, deep cleansing breaths, and let it flow over it's you. It's going to be okay. It's a terrific exhibition. It's a lot it of really fun. It's a, it's a, it, it, because it's done by the same folks who did the musical. Right. I mean, our, many of them were involved. And so it was funny because when I was in the, in the process of – I actually – do you want me to go into this? What, no, what well, I yeah, you're you were you were tasked with doing the illustrations for the Federalist Gallery. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, how did how did this come to be? Had you, I, I assume, because you're an American, you had seen the show? Because I don't think you can still live in this country and not have seen Hamilton. No, that's the uh, that's the second question on the census. That's a little controversial. Are you an American <laughs> citizen and have you seen Hamilton? Right. Uh, because if you say no to two, yeah, number one probably in question. It's back to Canada for you. Um, <laughs> Where is the room where it happened? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Leave. Ah, gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was, um, you know, happily drawing my, you know, doing my three or four jobs that I do. And I got a call from uh, Mark Lack, who was one of the organizers of the exhibit. And they said, uh, we're looking at having this cartoon part for mm -hmm. the uh, debate on, on the Federalist, on the passage of the Constitution. Right. And uh, eventually they came and said, yeah, we chose you, which was very flattering, cool. very exciting. Well, what's cool about it, think about this, Brian, for a second. I got to caricature Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, um, Patrick Henry, and Samuel Adams. I mean, for not I'm, bad. I'm a, I'm a total political geek and I'm a total history geek. So this was like, squee, this is the <laughs> best. I get to draw these guys. And so that's, and, and so it's a back and forth. And so I got to do things like have Madison, every time he makes a point, he goes, Boom. <laughs> um, go no, it, it, that's what it it makes it funny. It makes it accessible. It, these are the kind of things because unlike you, that is a history. There's a lot of people who they know history or they want to learn a little about history, but they think it's dry. You go into that into that hall, into that part of the exhibition. You're like, oh, this is I can laugh at this. And uh oh, again, I'm learning something. In the use of the language back then, we talk about how toxic the atmosphere is today the the what they the language they used back then was just as bad i mean and oh, they really? were just and my favorite thing i <laughs> i don't know why this is just this this may answer your earlier question of where my brain goes the because <laughs> uh samuel adams compared you shall sow the seeds and they shall gr but the canker worm will come and i just love the word canker worm so i got to draw this like horrible eyeless creature that consumes patrick henry and spits him out <laughs> 
<laughs> it doesn't take a lot, Brian. Well, listen, no, I, that's the sign of a creative mind where you, you know, most people would hear canker worm and they're like, ew, you hear canker worm and suddenly it is a huge creation and it is eating someone and it's... Bo- it, Not just anyone, know, Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry. All right, so now you, you're te- they come to you and they say, all right, we've chosen you. Here's what, you, you know, you know the Federalist Papers, you've seen the show, here's what we want to do. What's the process? Do you have to, you know, does Lin-Manuel Miranda come to your house and look at your sketch pad? How does it how does it work before your stuff is actually now in Hamilton, the museum? That's a great question. I actually did have to send in sketches, roughs, and, and build on those. This is why I said yeah. sequence going. This is, and so then during the conference calls, we'd have to say, well, Lin-Manuel really liked this one. And again, inside my head, the is going, squee! It's oh, like, sure. he likes my stuff! <laughs> Uh, and so, but that's—I mean—that's a normal reaction. If I—if you had said, "Yeah," he said he liked it, and I was like, "Eh, whatever." Yeah, come on, Scott, you're—you're you're not, oh, really, not being forthcoming. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah oh, no, no. Of course you want. You oh want no, no. During like the phone it. call, I was cool. Okay, yeah, sure, like, but inside, well, you're... I understand that, yes, and so we, uh, well, yes, and so the historian also signed off on this. That's very good, and this is a well-known <laughs> Yale historian who I also know her work, and it's like this is so awesome. But no, on during the conference call, I was like, uh huh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's 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 great. Okay, did he have any other input? Did he leave us some notes? <laughs> Scott Stantis is here. He is the editorial cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. His work appears all over the country. Yeah, Prickly City appears in 120 newspapers across the country. And you can see his work much closer to home at Hamilton, the museum exhibition. It is on Northerly Island. If you go to HamiltonExhibition.com, you can get tickets. They are on sale through September 8th. I want to talk to you more about this process and see if there was a, if there was a, a sword you had to fall on, a, a line that you said, no, I'm not going to. This one, I think, I think has to stay. Did you and Lin Manuel ever have an argument? We'll talk about that. Uh, more with Scott Stantis on the other side. It's 7:20 WGN. In studio with me, Scott Stantis. He is the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. He is the author of Prickly City, which appears all over the country. He is also the man behind all the wonderful drawings in the Federalist. Uh, gallery inside of Hamilton, the museum exhibition, which is now at Northerly Island. If you have not gotten a chance to get out there, good news, tickets are on sale through September 8th, so you have all summer to go over there. It is a wonderfully put-together exhibition. Uh, I was, uh, We were just talking about it. It is not, um, it, to use your term, Scott, if I may, not museum-y, even though museum is in the title. It is, uh, it's one of those things where... Um, you go in and you're surrounded. It's immersion. Yes, yes. And I loved the I loved the one gallery. Well, the Federalist Gallery, of course, with oh, your drawings the in there. Yeah. That is the best one. <laughs> but if you since you have to wander through the others before you leave, um, I like the ones where you're in the big ballroom and you're standing next to the statues of all the characters and you hear their story through the uh, through the audio. Uh, yeah, the system. audio tech. The audio tech. Uh, technology is amazing you have this little gadget and you can point it at each character in the ballroom it's george washington it's alexander hamilton i had a really interesting run in when i went to go see the show for Uh-oh. the first time i'm standing in the ballroom i'm looking at it i'm standing next to george washington i just finished a couple of biographies of, on him and so i kind of knew how tall he was and, and, and hamilton though is very small a tiny fella yes and so I, i'm standing there and my wife is there and i'm talking to my wife saying janine do you do you think these do you think these are the actual sizes and behind me a voice goes they are and I went, well, and I turn around, I go, oh, thank you. And then a second later, I go, how do you know that? And it turned out it was Jeffrey Seller, who's the producer oh. of Hamilton, of okay. Rant, and of the show. So he knew. 
Ah, well, yes. And that was, you know what? I had the same question when I was in there. They are, these are the same, these are the heights of those people. And it's, a lot of people were smaller of stature back in that time, I guess. It's a well, rougher Hamil- life. <laughs> Hamilton looks, because you, you think of him, he seems lank and long. And he, it was like, what would you say, 5'7"? Uh, yeah, not much, nothing now, more than that. Now, James Madison is said to have been 5'4". I loved drawing him for the Federals because he was he was shorter than that. Right. People say it was maybe 5'2", maybe 5 feet, maybe. So I, always, I have him as this kind of growly little guy in, in my drawings, which was just a blast. So let's get back to the drawings, because I asked you before, and now you've had a little time to think. Yes. Was there Was there a drawing that you did, and you thought, this is perfect. It, it, it hits all the right notes. This is how I see this particular character of history. And you submitted it, and uh, your man, Lin-Manuel, who had loved your stuff up to this point, he and his people went, Scott, this one isn't going to work. Yeah, not not. It didn't come from Lynn. It actually came from Joanne Freeman, who's the okay. historian from Yale. Yeah. And I, I drew some things like... Uh, uh, James Madison was giggling so hard he falls on the floor. Uh, she said, in this instance, that probably wouldn't have happened. And my point was it never happened because sure, he was course. a humorless person. So <laughs> he probably never giggled in his life. Uh, but were there any instances where, you know, they said, let's go a different direction? They were, but it, it was pretty collaborative. There was okay. never any rancor. And it, it was it one of those things where, you know, in your political cartoons, you your imagination can run wild. And, and I know... From seeing the drawings, that's kind of the same. But were they? Was there a direction to you that? Listen, here are the events we want you to depict within the confines of your imagination. Try to stay as accurate as possible. This was actually from Lin Manuel. He said, "No, go crazy, oh. go absolutely nuts." And so a couple of times, you know, it was an you know elastic, uh, you know, think tank thing. So I threw out some drawings that they said, "You know, no, that's a little too far," <laughs> but not many. Can you and, give us an example? I'm, gee, I knew you were going to ask that. Of and course, of course well, it just you can't dangle it out there, and I'm not, you know. <laughs> and it leaked right out of my ears. Um, it was, actually it was the last one, the, the the debate on the Bill of Rights, which shocked me that Hamilton was against it. Right. Uh, well, you make it sound like everyone knew that. I did not. Well, to I, be perfectly no, honest, I've, I didn't. I only know it because one, you said it, and two, I saw your drawing, and three, <laughs> I went through the uh, went through the exhibition. <laughs> he was against the Bill of Rights, and so I was. That surprised me. So originally, I had him. Uh, can I can I give it something away? I'm looking around. So just so. I think it's. I think one drawing out of the entire exhibition, since we've already talked about the. All right. We could talk about it and until you experience it. It's not a spoiler. Okay. So the the, the drawing is that it goes back and forth. It's two screens: the Federalists, the Anti-Federalists. Originally, Hamilton was going to do not just one mic drop, but two. <laughs> and that was. And if you notice, I actually transferred that over to uh, Patrick Henry, who yes. does a double mic drop. Double mic drop. Yeah. Very nice. So if you want to see all of this, it's in the Federalist Gallery at Hamilton, the Museum Exhibition. Go to HamiltonExhibition.com. Get all your tickets. Uh, you've got through September 8th. Tickets on sale now through September 8th. Now, are you hoping that this... Now, listen, not that you're not busy enough. you got about 87 jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know how, I don't know how you even took a half hour to be here with us today. <laughs> but... Uh, do you Do you foresee something like this happening at another museum? I, most museums are... You know, a little more staid, let's yeah. say, than the Hamilton exhibition. Is this something that uh, you're like, well, this was a this is a one-off. There's never going to be anything like this. Or do you go, well, maybe some other museums will see this and say, Scott, we've got, uh, you know, the King Tut exhibition needs some crazy cartoons. Those Byzantiums, they're nuts, <laughs> man. They lend themselves to this. Um <laughs> I don't know why Byzantium's up, no. but they're funny people. But I'm people. impressed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I would, I'd be, I'd be open to that. That'd be so much fun. It is fun. I mean, history is fun. History yeah. is people. I mean, that's the thing. Cleopatra was a real person, you know. Um, Charlemagne, real person. Richard the Third, real person with real foibles and real, 
you know, and, and real attributes. And it's that's what makes history so much fun is it's it's human. Now, even though you are a self-described history geek, you, you love to consume. Was there something as you were working more intimately on this project that you learned and you were like, oh, I never besides Hamilton uh, being against the Bill of Rights. Was there something else that popped up that you said, well, that's new to me? Well, you know, it's interesting. Again, this is a spoiler. So if you're going to go. <laughs> Turn off the radio right now for about 10 seconds. Um, when Lin-Manuel talks about the writing process, and there are little notes on the wall yep. where he kind of said, I exaggerated this or I used I that. I love that part. And there's one where he said that we never, he never actually, um, uh, Burr was never actually approached to write the Federalist Papers. Okay. But there was a rhyme that he fell in love with that he just had to use, which I thought was awesome. Well, that that's what I, that's one of the things I loved about the exhibition because, yes, we, we know the musical Hamilton and a lot of people assume that that was exactly how it happened and but he gives the easter eggs throughout the uh, exhibition yeah. that and there there weren't too many but there were there's enough where you go oh you know i like the cat one that was uh, which one was that where uh that martha washington had named her feral cat after him. yes so that was a because it's it's a good line in the musical that makes everybody laugh you're like ah i wonder if that's true well, then you find out as you're walking through whether it is true or not. Absolutely. So there I tried to avoid a spoiler. Very good. Well, you're a professional. Am I? We'll see. <laughs> uh, the verdict is still out. I'm a consummate <laughs> professional because who doesn't love soup? Um, so what now Now as we start to as we start to move forward and your work is in the Hamilton, the museum exhibition, and you're turning back, looking to this week, there's going to be a lot of big things that I'm sure you can cartoon about. What is what is starting to percolate in the mind of Scott Stantis that we'll see in the Tribune? Oh, a bazillion things. Here's the thing. I start off, I'm, I am nationally syndicated to over 400 newspapers, so I do have to feed that beast, but so much happens in the state. Right. Look at what happened over this weekend. I mean, up to, what time is it now? It is now 6.30. 630. God knows if they're still passing things, but we, got, yeah. we had a budget, a capital budget. First of all, that nobody actually saw, but that's another discussion for right. another show uh we have legal cannabis now in the state we we, we have a casino have sports betting and sports casinos. betting that was expanded hugely i mean now i haven't read the um i have to be honest i haven't totally read the news stories or the bill yet has the casino bill allowed the city of chicago to have a casino yes okay i just want to go back to what i said in the earlier segment 30 aldermen have gone to jail just throwing <laughs> it out there now they're going to be in charge of running a casino I think it all sounds perfectly above board. What I could don't know go what wrong? You're alluding to. I think <laughs> I think this is going to be 100 percent like ivory snow. Yes, it's going to be lovely, lovely. Absolutely. When I'm sure, as you mentioned, nationally syndicated, we got to get out of here. But but how how vehement uh, a reaction do some of your national cartoons get? I'm sure your email is full of people who just. Uh, one, love your work, and then on the other side, some who are not too happy that you have pens. Yeah, people who are ma angry tend to write more readily than people who are happy. <laughs> so the angry ones, yeah, I'm a never-Trump Republican. I've been a Republican my whole life. I've worked in Republican campaigns um, and before I be obviously got into newspapering. Uh, so, you know, I have some pretty significant Republican bona fides, but I don't like this president. I don't. I think his temperament is terrible, and so I'm not, I'll am i stop there, but to say that, but the People who do like Trump are very vocal about their opinion of yes, the president and, that is and true. their opinion of me and well, where I should go. <laughs> and take your pens with you. Back to Mexico, apparently. Wow. Yeah. 
You and you and all the people who answered no to have you seen Hamilton. <laughs> Just get on a bus and get out of here because you're not really American. <laughs> Scott Stantis, 100% American. I'm going to go out on a limb, 100% American. Yes, sir. His uh, fine work is now not only on display in the Tribune, not only in Prickly City, not only in newspapers across the globe, but if you go to Northerly Island and you walk into Hamilton, the museum exhibition, which I strongly urge you to do, it is a wonderful thing, you will see Scott's work in the Federalist Gallery, which is part of this huge, huge uh, museum and interactive and uh, immersive educational and entertainment venue that is happening on Northern Island. HamiltonExhibition.com is the website. You can get tickets. They're on sale now through September 8th, so get your tickets now. Uh, if you have a group, go the summer. It's going to be a great place to take kids, you know, maybe 8, 10 years old and up, uh, because there is that, I, I, you know, I was hope the only other thing I was hoping for a live duel that would have made that would have been the pièce de résistance in the exhibition. But uh, I'm sure there's some sort of legalities that prevent that. Yeah, but, lawyers. Yeah, they're always bothering us. So go to the Hamilton exhibition. Enjoy Scott Stantis's work there. Enjoy his work in the Tribune. It was nice to finally meet you. It's in great person. to meet you, Brian. Great to have you, and thanks for taking time today. Thanks for having me. All right, we will uh, talk more on the other side of the news. We'll talk a little theater. I went to see falsettos the other night so we will talk about that and uh, then we will shine our bright light on florida and the idiocy that always comes out of the humid panhandle all right we'll do that after <laughs> this but it's 6 30 on 720 wgn that means it's time for the news here's roger badish uh scott stantis thanks again make sure you go to hamilton the museum exhibition it is uh it's really really cool and it you know what you don't have to have seen the musical to enjoy the exhibition you can go and things are going to be great all right Let's turn our attention to a little piece of theater. It is time for another Bowtie Theater Review here on 720 WGN. I will confess, before I begin talking about falsettos, that I was not aware of the history and pedigree of this show. Um, it, is, it is a show that is uh, centered around a family. It's a, but it's a, I guess you could call it a non-traditional family. It's a, it revolves around the life of... A uh, neurotic gay man named Marvin. He's uh, charming and intelligent. His wife, his lover, uh, his about-to-be bar mitzvah son, their psychiatrist, and the lesbians who live next door. So there you have it. It's, it's, uh, it's a group of people who are trying to live their lives and trying to find love and trying to have as quote-unquote a normal life as they can. What I wasn't aware of when I went to see the show, and I think sometimes that's best, because uh, a lot of times if you have a lot of information about either a film or a production before you go in, it may tarnish your perception of that performance. So I didn't know that falsettos actually began life as two one-act plays. So in 1980, uh, 1981, two men had written this had written a one-act play called March of the Falsettos, and it uh, ran off-Broadway for a while, uh, a long run off-Broadway. And then in 1990, they wrote a second musical, one-act, uh, one-act, called Falsetto Land, and it was supposed to be the continuation of Marvin's life and his extended family as the AIDS epidemic began. So then, these in 1992, these two one-act musicals were combined into one. After I learned this, some of the things that happened in this version of Falsettos made a lot more sense. And it is, it is a story that is it, uh, sometimes funny, 
sometimes very poignant, sometimes heartbreaking, and sometimes difficult to watch and kind of understand. Because, to be honest, I found a lot of the characters not really that likable at times. But, on as upon further review, most of us are not that likable all the time. We all have aspects to us that sometimes we are selfish. Sometimes we seem uncaring. Sometimes we do things that are not quite right. And as parents, sometimes we do things that are difficult for our children. That's all part of the humanity that is on display here. There's the dynamic of Marvin and Wizard, his lover. There's the dynamic of Marvin and Trina, his wife. There's the 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 dynamic of Marvin and his son uh Jason, who is uh who is getting ready to be bar mitzvahed, and that is a whole uh, different subject line in the play. Getting ready for this, and and you know, is it for the parents? Is it for him? Is there is there a purpose to it? There's the psychologist. Uh, it's it's a production where the entire score, the all the dialogue is sung. I will say this: there was not one weak voice in this production. Everybody in the cast sounded terrific. The vocal performances were superb. Uh, it took me a little while to get used to everything being in song. I, I'm i a guy who likes the spoken word, so it took me a little bit to get used to the fact that everything was going to be sung. And, you know, I got used to it. That was fine. Um, again, I think for this production, knowing a little bit about it, about its history, not so much the subject matter, is going to prove helpful as as the play unfolds. Because there are times when you think to yourself, well, is this is this a family comedy with some drama mixed in? Is it a drama with just some comedic moments? The second act definitely has a different tone than the first act. So we have to remember that there is a there is a time jump in from the first act to the second act. And they they do their best to explain that a little bit as the as the show goes on. Uh, the staging of it was incredible. Very minimalist. Uh, when you're sitting in the theater before the curtain goes up, you see just a giant gray cube on the stage. And I was like, I don't know what that giant gray cube is. And, and the back is kind of a, uh, a cutout of the New York skyline, but it's it's all in black, so it's not jumping out at you. It's, ju- it's just there, setting a backdrop. And there's this giant gray cube. And I thought, hmm, is this the Borg? Is, am I going to be assimilated? I don't know what's happening. The cool thing is this cube then comes apart in all different shaped pieces. And they use it to make chairs and beds and towers and doorways. And they use the cube throughout the show. And the cast is able to seamlessly, because I'm guessing they're lightweight, the cast moves them around. Nothing, nothing ever is obtrusive as an audience member to to this the crowd reaction to the show was phenomenal people were people were going crazy um i did enjoy it as i said it was difficult at times uh for me uh just just trying to figure out well do i like this do i like this character i understand what they're going through but their actions are not really likable which i you know that's fine. As I said, that's fine. 
So, Cody, you passed on it. You did. Uh, you were unable to accompany me. I was going to take you as my date because my wife was unable to go with me. So you would have had to uh, all the responsibilities of being my date at the theater, and you know what those are. Uh, I, we, we don't have to enumerate them here, but uh, you know that that's part of the deal. Oh, there, I had turned you. I had turned you down so I could get the music off. I'm back. Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah. No, I was sick that day, so I apologies. Uh, apologize for not being able to accompany you. So you went solo. I did go solo, which was odd. Um, did you buy a giant Slurpee cup and put it in the seat next to you? I did not, and I also did not buy any treats because, you know, uh, I have an aversion to people who are uh, having snacks, etc. It's the plastic. During the theater experience. I think uh, we're all adults. We should be able to go without a snack. We're not gerbils. We don't need to stay hydrated for the hour of the first act. Uh, we can we can make it. Um, well, let me give you... Uh, first, let me give... Let me finish this uh, about falsettos and then i'll go into some craziness at the theater oh boy all right so i want to single out i want to single out uh eden espinoza who played trina the the wife she uh she had a lot of singular moments in the show and they were all delivered perfectly again in a cast that delivers the score in a terrific fashion standing out from that cast is a is a big task because when everybody's operating at their A game, to get a little A plus, that's you're given you're given a little uh, a little more. So Eden Espinoza was Trina. She was fantastic. And you know, Cody, sometimes I have, I don't want to say aversion, but sometimes child actors grade on me. This was not the case. I was I no no one graded on me. Jonah Mussolino played uh, Jason. And he's been in a Bronx Tale on Broadway. He's been in a lot of stuff. He did a really good job. Really, really nice job. Uh, there was never a point where, I, oh, child actor being precocious. No, this this guy, he delivered. He delivered the goods. So the entire cast did a very, a very good job. Uh, do a little research. Know what the, know what the show is about. Unlike uh, some of the, uh, hmm, let's say, more closed-minded denizens of the uh, show that night. I will give out of four uh, bow ties. I am going to give falsettos three bow ties. It was uh, it was a uh, wonderful night. You should go uh, to broadwayinchicago.com. Get your tickets. It is running for one more week at the uh, Nederlander Theater. It's here through June 9th at the uh, nice uh, formerly Oriental Theater, the James M. Nederlander Theater. Broadwayinchicago.com is where you get your tickets to go see falsettos. So there you go. Three uh, bow ties for falsettos. Um, and I was embarrassed a little bit now that I've given the... I was embarrassed a little bit that I was having um, some trouble. It made it made much more sense once after the show I learned the history of it. Then, then some of the things that I had questioned during the performance, like the dance of the falsettos, which happens in the first act, and why are they calling it falsetto land in the second act? Well, all of that was made clear to me as I did some uh, research after the fact which I think is how I like to do research of projects like that, because as I mentioned, and you've said this before too, the less sometimes you know about something going in, the better, because you don't have preconceived judgments about what the show is going to be. This happened to me last night. What? I watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, the cartoon one. Did you see it? I have not. How is it? Okay, so... There's a spider pig, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So all of my friends, I'm not even kidding, my my uh, my friends at work, my friends, uh, my high school text thread, like everyone I've talked to about this has said it's one of the best superhero movies that there is. 
Like that's how high. And so my friend John, my co-host on my WGM Plus podcast, yes. Game Life Balance, I've heard of it. John texted us last night and said, "Like, holy whatever, Into the Spider Verse is definitely the best superhero movie I've ever seen, and it's not even close." So, what do I decide to do last night? You gotta watch this, because it's the best superhero movie in the history of superhero movies. Well, allegedly. Right, and my wife's out of town, and she dislikes superhero movies. So, what better time than to watch it without bothering her? So, I watched it. I can think of other movies to watch when your wife's out of town, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It was really good. Okay. But... Because I had this expectation that it's the greatest superhero movie ever made, like, it kind of fell a little bit short. And it was really good. If right. someone had just said, oh, yeah, it's, it's it's about as good as one of the mainstream Marvel movies. You should check it out. I might have gone in and been like, wow, this blows me away. This is great. But you spend the whole time looking for that thing that makes it special or waiting for that moment that blows you away. Yeah. And it, it's not going to happen. It never happens. Mm. So that that's how I feel about, like I said, I don't like to know so anything. Should I see it? Yeah, I think you should see it. I should see it, but I I don't think it I, I don't think it's like temper my excitement. Just temper, but it is really good. Okay, I, I will say it's really good. I, yeah. the, there are a couple moments where the art style I was kind of like, it's almost hard to look at. Like they they put a couple. It it looks in a couple parts like you're looking at something that's meant for 3D without 3D glasses. Ew. It's because they have a couple textures kind of overlap. For the most part, they're doing that kind of thing on purpose, but there's a few frames, just a couple short shots where you're kind of like, ah, that looks weird. Okay. But if you can get past that, it's fine. All right. I have to pull the shade up. I pulled the shade down. I'm I'm distracted because I pulled the shade down to take my picture with Scott. And uh, now it's down, and I feel like I'm working in a bowl. You mean the shade that covers the the, the glass gi- yes, the window? Entire, the entire window that the, I could see out and people could see me. Yeah, it connects the main offices in yeah. the station to uh, our our yeah. studio, which is fine on weekends because no one ever walks by. Right. So but there's no difference. Are, it is because I feel shut off. And if somebody comes down the hallway, what if we have an active shooter? Now I don't see them coming. Well, yeah, but that had to go through me because my my room is between. Right, which means they're coming right at me. <laughs> so I need to be ready. Uh, I was so. You know, you know, I hate when people act the fool at the theater. You know, I hate it. I I have no patience for people. Uh, I was first of all, I was slammed. This woman came in, uh, and I love ladies' uh, pocketbooks, purses. Bags. I know ladies have a lot of things that they carry. Some guys carry big bags. That's all right. Um, this woman came in, but she had a bag that had no give to it. You know how a leather purse, you know, if it hits you, it's going to give a little bit. This woman had, a, I think her purse was made out of drywall uh, because she came in and she was trying to, of course, hold her champagne because nothing says I'm fancy like champagne in a plastic glass. Nothing says I am a denizen of the arts like drinking, you know, $4 bubbly that you paid $28 for out of a plastic flute. So she came into the aisle and I was sitting there alone trying not to look pitiful because let's be honest, you go to the theater alone, you look kind of suspect. Yes, I'm judging. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, projecting a little onto myself. But I felt that people were judging me harshly. Because there I sit in my bow tie uh, alone, like the saddest dapper Dan in the world. This woman comes in. She hits me once. Then she hits me twice. And she says, oh, I'm sorry if I'm hitting you. You know it's not on purpose. I go, yes, I know. And in my mind it went, so stop. That didn't happen. And then both sides of the aisle. I was right in the middle. Again, beautiful seats, uh, thanks to Broadway in Chicago. I'm enjoying the show, but at intermission, let's be honest, 
I gotta make I gotta make a run for the border. Uh neither side was was moving. Nobody got up on one side. They all just sat there. Then on the other side, people got up, but nobody was going anywhere. And I was like, ah, and it happened at the end, too. I couldn't get out. And you know I love to get out of the theater at the end of a performance as quickly as possible. Not that I have anywhere important to be. I just want to go somewhere. And by go somewhere, I mean anywhere out of, out of uh, the row. So that was it. So falsettos, you missed it, Cody. You should have, uh, you should have come with. Next time. But you were home, you were home watching Into the Spider-Verse while I was home watching Deadwood, the movie. Last night. I know. So now we have to switch off and see which is which. Right. We, we'll switch what? Well, we'll switch. We'll switch and see if you're... Uh, I recommended Deadwood the movie. Yeah. You recommended Spider-Man Into the uh, Spider-Verse. Right. And we'll we'll watch each other's movie and see which one enjoyed it. Oh, well, I haven't seen Deadwood the show, though. Well, then you have a lot of binging to do. You have 36 episodes, I believe, to see. There were three seasons, 12 episodes a season. That's 36, correct? Okay. So you can watch the two hours I recommended, and mm-hmm. I'll watch the 39 Hours, uh, 38. 38? 38 hours well, that Does I that include the movie? Yeah, that includes a movie. Okay. But none of the 36 are really an hour. Those are short. Uh, They're maybe 50 minutes. Those are short seasons. Yeah. 12 seasons, 12 I, episodes a I season. I believe 12 episodes a season. That's that's Three doable. seasons. I'm in the middle of Star Trek The Next Generation, season two. That seems excessive. I've got a lot. I've See, got 100 some episodes. Well, yeah, you got a whole generation <laughs> to take care of. All right, we've got, uh, we haven't done this in a while, and I didn't even realize, I had a story that I I found very funny, and if you're a teacher, you will probably find this amusing as well, Uh, and then I realized, hey, it's from Florida, so maybe we throw a little Florida news on the other side. Yes, we'll do that right here for your amusement on 720 WGN. I wanted to ask you, uh, you kind of plugged it before, but since we just heard that uh, fine promotion for WGM Plus, what's going on with uh, Game Life Balance US? Nothing right now. Nothing. So you're not even there? It's not even on the platform? No. <laughs> Should people disregard it altogether, think that the last uh, couple seconds of my speech is just useless jibber-jabber, as opposed to the previous two and a half hours, which has been nothing but gold? No, my last couple episodes have a couple nice interviews. I'm actually working on lining up an interview with a professor at Cornell University who wow. uh, who is um, who is studies basically uh, how video game music works, um, psychologically. Because like, if you're playing a video game, you hear the same track repeated over and over. Yeah, so so he, he apparently has done a lot of research into like what makes it so you can listen to the same thing over and over and over again with going crazy basically really? so i'm working on that that's uh that's that's um on the docket all right before we get into florida news quickly because i know this will affect you uh twitter is eroding your intelligence that's right and there's data to prove it not fake news we got data news oh yeah we do do you have uh the information i think i left it on the on the printer we can give uh we, well, listen we're gonna give you a little something for uh putting up with us today a uh, team of Italian researchers has found that uh, the it's not the hashtags, likes, and retweets that destroy the brain cells, but it is uh, making you uh, a bit witless. It is eroding your intelligence by using Twitter so much. So, Cody, be aware of that. All right, listen, um, we had this, and uh, we have been negligent, but I want to reward you for being fine listeners. If you have been listening, or even if you just tuned in because you're waiting for Caracati's show, uh, you're in luck. We're not gonna we're gonna not gonna check your bona fides, but we are going to give you a twenty-five dollar gift card to Anderson's Candy Shop with locations in Richmond and Barrington, or online at Anderson'sCandyShop.com. Uh, you're invited to Anderson's one hundredth anniversary party on June 29th and thirtieth in downtown Richmond, and the Anderson's Candy Shop on Main Street. I have a twenty-five dollar gift certificate for you. If you are Cody, let's make 
make it the seventh caller at 312-981-7200. The seventh caller at 312-981-7200. You will get a $25 gift card to Anderson's Candy Shop, again, with locations in Richmond and Barrington or online at andersonscandyshop.com. Delicious. Don't forget the 100th anniversary party, June 29th and 30th in downtown Richmond and uh, Anderson's Candy Shop on Main Street. Didn't take long for the phones to light up. Who doesn't want candy? All right, we got a couple minutes left, but I wanted to, if you are a teacher or if you have ever in, uh, interacted with a teacher, which is, hey, just about everybody, uh, this story coming out of Florida, which is where all the crazy, crazy stories come from because it is humid and there are a lot of bugs. If you're a teacher, sometimes you've looked at a student's assignment and thought, WTF, what are these kids writing? This has, this has absolutely nothing to do with what I've taught them for the last three weeks. It has nothing to do with the assignment. I don't believe they even read the question. They just started writing uh, willy-nilly, and now there are words on paper that are not even linked. There's not uh, there's not subject, verb, standard. There's no punctuation. It's insanity. Well, one teacher in uh, Bay County, Florida, just uh, had had enough. Couldn't take it anymore, and instead of giving the student an F, she wrote WTF on a paper to signal he would be getting absolutely no credit. Um, Melinda Smith's son came home from school. He handed her his science homework with the WTF. You know what that's an acronym for, don't you? I don't have to. It's what the, you know. Uh, Just seeing uh, WTF, what is this, which is what the teacher wrote, WTF, what is this? Uh, It wasn't anything about not getting the credit. It was more so the language, uh, the mom told the TV station down there. Inappropriate and not acceptable. Agree or disagree? Uh, I'm going to say, you know, maybe she should have thought about it a little better. Um, you got to go with inappropriate because, listen, I know that uh, teachers are human beings and teachers have a, a rough job. And some days you want to say WTF to the kids, but you can't. You say that in the lounge. You say that when you go home. You say that after the bell rings and you're in your own classroom all alone in the dark crying because you have to come back the next day. That's when you say WTF. You do not put it on your children's paper. You cannot. Uh, The mom said, I think for sure she needs to be reprimanded. I believe that something should be placed in her file. Really? Now, let's not get carried away. We don't need to put something on someone's permanent record to tell them, to tell you that, uh, oh, this teacher one time made a mistake. The uh, the TV station in uh, down in Florida reports that the teacher does not want to respond publicly to the situation. Probably a good move. The high school principal said they're taking the necessary steps to deal with the incident. Uh, quote, once we were notified, I notified the district officials and our HR has been involved and they're currently investigating the situation. And quote, oh, once HR is involved, you are in a lot of trouble. Uh, so there you go. Teachers, I feel you. I understand your frustration, but I also know keep that stuff to yourself. All right. Thanks for listening and being part of the program. We'll talk to you again next week. Karen Conti comes your way on the other side of the news with her program. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you, Roger. Thank you, Cody. And thank you most of all, uh, Scarecrow. I don't know why I think Scarecrow. You fi- I finally got you to look up. All right. We'll talk to you again. 
WGN Radio wants to send you on a Blackhawks getaway for two in Europe. Listen to win your way to Pucks and Prague weekday mornings at 740 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Lindemann Chimney and Fireplace. It is 7 o'clock. With the news, here's Roger Batty.